and welcome to Fangrass Audio, episode 982. On this week's show, Ben Clemens and Dan Zaborski get together to chat about all manner of baseball things. Dan is fresh off his midseason zips update, and we hear about the Yankees and the Astros having a chance at chasing the win record, while the Tigers have been a disappointment even by their standards. Ben and Dan also talk about how Zips feels about specific remarkable players like Isaac Paredes, Luis Arias, Julio Rodriguez, and the somehow maybe still underrated Jordan Alvarez. The dynamic duo also talk about some of their all-star game memories in advance of this year's selections, and finally, they devise their new science versus romance stat to help them identify some of their favorite players to watch. Okay, I'm also going to declare now that Science romance score is officially the harmonic mean of out-of-zone swing percentage and isolated power. Oh, like uh, the harmonic mean of them and Z-scores or something? Like, you know, because power-speed score is is harmonic mean, so science romance score is out-of-zone contact rate and isolated power. I like it. Is it it better to be uh, out-of-zone contact rate? So it's like Javier Baez kind of... I guess he has a very low out-of-zone contact rate. Well, I'm thinking like the inverse of it, like relative to the league... That makes sense. I'm just trying to think whether I can I'm trying think to think make it work. romantic players who hit out-of-zone pitches. Or instead of out-of-zone swing percentage, out-of-zone take percentage. Then I don't have ah, to do yeah. anything. I don't have to do now any manipulation. Like. Yeah, just like like the best people at taking pitches out of the zone plus the best people at hitting the ball just really, really ridiculously hard. Yeah, because, you know, literally all the best statistics are, are designed while talking on a podcast. I've actually heard that as well, dude. But before we get to this segment, I must issue you my weekly reminder to head on over and check out the Fangraphs.com shop. Not only can you get yourself some sweet, sweet Fangraphs merch, but it's the place to get an ad-free membership, good for yourself or as a gift for a friend. Not only can you browse the site at blazing fast speeds with no ads, but you are supporting the site, helping us to do everything we do, from the podcast to the articles to the leaderboards to the projections, all of it. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Ben Clemens, staff writer, or writer, I don't know, at Fangraphs, and I'm joined by Dan Zimborski, staff writer or writer at Fangraphs. How's it going, Dan? Hey, I'm a senior writer because I'm old now. I'm 44. That's fair. I am just a writer, which is uh, an implied junior. You haven't become a gray beard like me, though I can't really grow a beard. I have a half gray, half brown beard, which might be worse, honestly. It's just a little patchy. So do you have like a line like... Uh, like your Two-Face from Batman, or is it like randomly distributed throughout your beard? I would say randomly distributed in kind of like circles. It's it's really not great. Uh, uh, because if it was, if you had a, you know, a sharp line between the brown half and the gray half, yes, that would uh, be terrific. And you'd have to grow a super long beard so you just, you can have that dichotomy and you probably have to like paint your face different colors. Yeah, it would be arresting. I mean, what I should really do is dye all of the non-gray parts a very bright color, but leave the gray parts undyed. But that's a lot of work, and at that point, you'd probably just dye the gray parts, and I'd have to learn how to use hair dye, and there's a lot of reasons not to do that. But uh, <laughs> we're not here to talk about my beard game, or mostly lack thereof. Uh, we're here to talk about baseball, among other things. I, I think we'll take some various detours during this. But Dan, you recently published a Zips mid-season update. I suppose, actually, the the unknown creator of Zips published this and dictated it to you, and then you... Yeah, I I have very little influence on this. I just I just, you know, relay the data and I have no I have no particular responsibility for any projections that go poorly. Those are all Carsons. <laughs> so uh Dr. Zips, or perhaps Mr. Zips, projected the American League again at midseason. So Zips projects the like you know, potential for playoff outcomes before the season, and I suppose it's running all the time, but a robust midseason update has, uh, as you'd expect, the best team in the AL with a high chance of winning the World Series. That's the Houston Astros. Yeah, Zips likes the Astros. Now, obviously, the Yankees have the best record right now. Uh, Zips does project them to finish with 103 wins. But there are some, you know, downside issues with the Yankees. Zip still projects the Yankees as essentially the most volatile of the good AL East teams. Because, you know, you look at their season right now. I mean, of course, they're on a, on a pace to win 116 games. I'm sure we'll get to that in a minute. But 
they've also had very good health from the rotation, which is has you know three guys with a pretty serious injury history. Uh, they've gotten a lot of games from players who do have an injury record, even on, in the lineup. Now they've had some disappointments. Like I don't know why Joey Gallo doesn't know how to play baseball anymore. Yeah, um, lucky, but yeah, yeah that's, that's it's one of the weirder things. But on balance, they've gotten a lot more surprisingly good results than surprisingly bad results. Yeah, I'll I'll swap you Joey Gallo for Nestor Cortez. Like there's that's kind of a break even in the end there. Cortez has been a lot better than expected. Probably enough to offset Gallo's. And yeah, the the health has actually been spectacularly good. A roll this Chapman aside, and is that actually a problem? He might be the sixth or seventh best reliever in their bullpen at this point. Which is which isn't really a bad thing. Uh, right. I think when we were talking about things going right I think Matt Carpenter having a 1,200 OPS is is one of those things. Now, obviously, that's not in full-time play, but he has eight home runs all lately. How many had the Tigers hit? Right, about, about eight all year. I will say, if you asked me, hey, which player do you think is the most suited to hit home runs in Yankee Stadium? I mean, I, I would have said Aaron Judge or John Carlos Stanton because they're suited for hitting home runs. But player who's ill-suited for home runs overall but good for Yankee Stadium, I'd pick Matt Carpenter because his biggest issue in the last few years has been kind of warning track power, that he's a sellout to pull the ball in the air hitter who wasn't quite pulling it over the fence anymore. And when the fence moves in 35 feet, well, it's easier. Now, I checked, and while Matt Carpenter would not does not have more home runs than the Tigers, who do have 48 home runs as we discussed this, which is more than eight last I checked, his eight home runs would be leading the Detroit Tigers. That Can that be true? Javier Baez has seven home runs, and Eric Haas has seven home runs. And <laughs> that's the Detroit Tigers. That's that's really not ideal. So I guess I might as well mention the Tigers' projection then. Well, while we're here, uh, the Tigers are projected to win 69 games, which is uh, a lot worse than we expected going into the season, but not the worst in the AL Central. That's... Kind of embarrassing for a team whose home run leader has seven home runs. What in the world is going on there? Well, well, well Zips did have them, you know, winning in the uh, low mid 70s. I forget the exact number going into the season. And of course, my dumbass uh, said, you know what? I think Zips is wrong. I think the Tigers are going to be better than that. The Tigers are not better than that. The Tigers are worse than that it's just been a mess of a season uh and it's weird that miguel cabrera is kind of one of the offensive highlights of the team he's kind of become like mark loretta which is sort of weird it's not really how i aged but his 372 slugging percentage is only a point behind willie castro among the regulars in leading the team they don't have any full-time player well depends how you count harold castro but they don't have their, their most common nine, none of them are, have a slugging percentage of 400. Uh, I wonder if, is offense down around the league, or is it just the Tigers? <laughs> yeah, it could just be that. It's a combination of uh, of that and just some of the abysmal, like, giving up teams that we've seen. Like, is offense down around the league, or have the A's just stopped running out major league players? Yeah. That's I, a question I wonder about attendance very frequently. How does attendance look without the A's? I think the A's still have to have games because they want to, you know, show off for eventual trades. Ramon Laureano, Frankie Montes, you know, mm. et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so they do have to at least kind of show the games, uh, more or less. Yeah, but unfortunately for them, Montes may be hurt. Yeah, that that is a problem because I, I don't think they were necessarily going to trade Laureano at this trade deadline. Uh, he's... He, he simply has, you know, he's got three years until free agency or two yeah, and a half and years. His value is so probably not at its peak right now. But, you know, they could trade Sean Murphy. They could. He is someone whose value may be at its peak. Do you think uh, Do you think the Tigers would like to have Isaac Paredes back? Yeah, they'd, have, they'd like to have a lot of people back. More home runs than the entire Tigers team. He might have a 520 OPS if he was on the Tigers. Yeah, and he has a 590 slug on the Rays, so... Yeah, most mostly for one night, which amuses me. He's yeah. long been a favorite of Zips. There's always been some kind of like rumors about his age, which have have caused you know a lot of prospector prospectiers to to look down on him a little, and and obviously change his projection. But I mean, he has 13 home runs now. He can at least fake playing the non shortstop infield positions. Yeah. Uh, so he he's a fun player, and I I liked him, and I would have preferred 
I don't know. It's hard to say you'd prefer him to Austin Meadows necessarily. But was it the right trade at the right time for the Tigers? I'm not really sure of that. Yeah. At the price, I think I'd prefer him to Austin Meadows. Paredes has been a longtime favorite of mine as well, which is why I shoehorned him into this discussion of midseason Zips updates. And he kept popping up in my, you know, unheralded. And he was only unheralded because he'd fallen off a lot of prospect lists kind of due to prospect fatigue. But he kept popping up as an unheralded regular who was likely to perform at a major league level and stick in the majors. And so I wasn't surprised when the Rays traded for him there. They're pretty good at finding those guys. But it, it is very gratifying to see a guy who every statistical model like constantly thought was going to be good finally be good in the majors. Yeah, my, my worry was uh, you, you talking about him as kind of an infield prospect who was always kind of around but had fallen off lists. I was a little worried that he would be like, you know, Johnny Giovatella, the next generation, yeah. which is not a very highly rated syndicated no. television show. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he just kept putting up great minor league numbers and he kind of figured it would probably work in the majors at some point. I, I don't think it'll keep working like this. I, I don't know about this 590 slugging percentage. That That sounds unlikely to me. Yeah, it's probably not going to be that way, but there's obviously more coming. But I sent you a list of Zip's five-year projections, and yeah, unless I'm unless I'm mistaken, Isaac Paredes did make that list somewhere on that list. Yeah, not fairly low anything, in the top. But yeah, he's in the top hundred. Yeah, he's in the top hundred, and he has a pretty good. I mean, his projections suggest he's going to be a, an above-average-ish player for most of his prime. Uh, he still has some upside left. Uh, fun pickup by the Rays. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it. That won't, according to Zips's best estimate, get the Rays even into second place in the AL East, although they're one of three teams with a projection between 88 and 87 wins. Yeah, the, the big change is simply the Yankees, because coming into the season, uh, Zips had all four of the good AL East teams uh, with a mean projection of 88 and 74. And of course, people instantly say, you're projecting that all four will win 88 games? Like, no, that's not how it works. Please. Yes. Just I guess. I don't I want to explain this. I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Zips is projecting that all those teams will win exactly 88 games. It's going to be a four-way tie. But see, I can't do that. So, and, uh, so then I have to get in a long fight that I'll, <laughs> that I'll never win because I'm always arguing with someone who cannot be convinced at all about it. It's the same with 300 batting average projections. Oh, you always have like, you know, one or two guys who are projected to hit 300. And then people say, you only think one or two guys will hit 300? Like, no, that's not how any of this works. That's not how probability works. Please kill me. Dan, two two good things about that. One, pretty soon only one or two guys will hit 300. So, hey. And who will one of those guys be? There's someone in Indeed, there I think you, have a, you are a fan of. You ever heard of Luis Arias? I have. Arias is one of Zips's favorite from a batting average standpoint. And looking at long-term projections, he is projected to be the, the leader in batting average over the next decade. And the funny thing about that is, is you look at that throughout history, and most of most players who led the league in batting average uh, or who are the active batting average leader, those were all Hall of Famers. But it's also going to be Luis Arise, uh, so that's, that's interesting. I don't think he's going to make the Hall of Fame, but it's fun because... It's like he was born in the wrong year and like transplanted here. He's like should have been born like in, in like 1940 and, and played in the 70s. But I'll, I'll take it. Did you know that he has more career walks than strikeouts? That's impressive. I, I'm surprised that he that he strikes out at all, to be honest. I mean, he, he really doesn't miss very often. Yeah, I would assume that that robot cameras that will fix framing will end all his strikeouts because he's being framed for strikeouts. He never committed. <laughs> I'm constantly marveling at Arise's game when I watch him play because you think you know this archetype. It's Williams Estadio. He he has very good field to hit and, you know, never misses. But that's not true. Uh, he, he actually has a really good approach at the plate, too. And so he's David Fletcher. But that's not true because you can't really just pound him inside. He hits a lot of line drives. He's kind of an interesting... Like, I don't know, is Pete Rose the best comparison throughout history? But see, we, 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 we bring up Bastadillo because not only does he is he aggressive at hitting the ball into play, it's that he's also a, a you know, a thick boy like me. I'm a thick boy. I'm a I guess I'm too old to be called a thick boy. I'm a, I'm a thick middle aged man. <laughs> I got like four C's in that thick. So it, it's fun to see Williams do that. Yeah. I don't think Arias fits that really. I, I don't know that he's a legitimate 
like good second baseman, but he can certainly fake it. Yeah, faking it is is okay. I I don't think he's a disaster at the position. Uh, I know the Twins have kind of an odd team configuration where it does sort of make sense to use him at first base a lot. I hope that's not the result. Yeah, he's. I do think that playing at first base undervalues his defensive contributions because he can do a little bit more than that. Now, now his his defensive stats at second base so far are poor, but I think it's also. Uh, Maybe I'm being a little speculative, but I think it's a little I get the impression that sometimes you have a guy who's adjusting to the majors, who's very young and you're just you're not really letting them get comfortable to position. And I tend to believe maybe it's something I should actually research. Maybe I can actually find something uh, that players who are shuffled around defensively do better once they're left at a position. But actually, now I have something to look at later, possibly during the all star break when there's days of no baseball for some reason. Well, I've timed things very well to where I will be on vacation the rest of this week, starting tomorrow, and then back for the All-Star break, I guess, to uh, to cram in. Wait, you mean yesterday? You're going to be on vacation yesterday. Oh, that's true. I will be on vacation you yesterday. You will have been on vacation for a whole day by that point. Yeah, see you suckers later. I'm not definitely not listening to this in Hawaii. Which means that you're not here now. <laughs> so I, I am curious. You said Arise is definitely not going to make the Hall of Fame. Well, I guess he could. He He could hit. 3000 hits. It's right. not it's not the craziest thing ever. I'm I'm slowly going to talk in in my weird circumnavigational style because I'm slowly opening zips and yeah. I, I I want to kind of distract the audience from that I'm actually not saying anything. Uh but if I look at Arise's projection, it does have him right now with 2200 hits. Yeah, that's and he's 25. Not- and that many standard deviations below a 3,000 hit career, I would assume. Yeah, because the, the, the error bars for this are massive. I mean, we're talking yeah, exactly. over 15 years. And if he ages particularly well, that's a yeah. guy who could, you know, it, it seems weird to think. But there was a period where Steve Sachs uh, was on target for 3,000 hits. Uh, I believe that in the 1992 baseball book by Bill James – that he had like a 49% chance under the favorite toy to hit 3,000 hits. I'm pulling this out. I'm not actually referencing it. It seems like I'm referencing something very specific. But then, as you know what happened, Steve Sachs was arrested for all the murders in New York. I was going to say, he had had that one fateful run-in with the law. Yeah, and that would obviously hurt his Hall of Fame chances because, you know, murdering everyone in a city or all the murders in a large metropolitan area would probably a lot of people would consider that part of the uh, character clause, especially if he was doing it while a player in New York. That's that's yeah. that's especially serious because then he is on the team at the time. So you guys heard it here first. Zips does not project potential future murders. It's good to know for anyone who was worried that Dan was going to be running a Minority Report-esque division in the near future. We're definitely okay there. And I really hope Arias makes the Hall of Fame. I don't think it's very likely, but... It would be fun. I really hope he at least makes the All-Star team this year. Yeah, he. I don't know. I mean, he's leading the league in batting average. He's leading the league in on-base percentage. He's a lot of fun. Why wouldn't he be? I I know we have to have... I know everybody has to get invited. Like, we actually have to have a Tiger in on the All-Star game for some reason. Well... I guess that's not so bad. Gregory Soto's having a, having a really solid season, but still... I kind of assume it's going to be Cabrera, actually. You think it'll be Cabrera? Just because... I feel like this is his last year. I think he's under contract another year, right? Yeah, uh, he has a contract for 23 and a vesting yeah. option for 24-25, which yeah. I'm guessing he's not going to vest. That probably won't vest. It will not be vesting. It would be very surprising. But uh, I guess it, since it's not his last year, maybe not him. But yeah, Gregory Soto's having a good year. Cabrera's you know, a guy who I'd like to see in the All-Star game. So I won't be heartbroken by those. I'm just hoping that there are enough injury replacements or just... That Arias is the best second baseman. <laughs> I, I think yeah. the problem I always have with the All-Star game, one of many one of many problems I have with the All-Star game, uh, generally speaking, the All-Star game is the least interesting part of All-Star week for me. Yes. It's like, oh, there's, uh, oh, there's that game, too. Ugh. I'm interested in people being named All-Stars because I know the players really want to. Yeah, it's more fun to be an All-Star than actually have to do it. It's Exactly. Like, it's, it's very uninteresting. Like, the game itself, I don't think I've watched from start to finish in years. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, you watch the first two innings and you just kind of trail off and get distracted by other things. I'm a very distractible person. And if you ask me, like, specific all-star memories, it's mostly, you know, that 15-inning game, like, like 12 years ago, and, and Bo Jackson. Those are my memories of an all-star game. I've got a Cal's home run. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And everyone thought about it if it was grooved. Yeah, 
And I guess Jeter had the same thing, right? With Wainwright. Yeah. Where, uh, where Wainwright just <laughs> admitted to grooming him a bitch. <laughs> just to cut out the middleman. Like, well, you kind of no... had to groove it for Jeter that final year. Yeah, there was no speculation. He was just like, yeah, I, I gave him a pipe shot. And you know why I remember that game? Because there was a great Wikipedia edit war because the network, whatever network it was on that was having the All-Star game, they called Michael Jeter uh, from Evening Shade and Sesame Street <laughs> as the as the MVP of the all-star game. And so people saw it and were aggressively adding to Michael Jeter's Wikipedia entry that he was the, the MVP of the, whatever it was, all-star game. I, I love those. I love those silly things, especially because generally when a team loses, people will go into the franchise page and change the team owner to the name of the opposing team. It's a classic. Yeah. It's a great one. So we actually haven't talked about the Astros despite you know teasing them as the team projected with the highest chances of winning the World Series. And I would venture to say that they'll probably have the highest chances of winning the World Series overall, including the NL, just because the Dodgers at least have a division race. Yeah, that, that is the problem. Because when it comes down to it, one of the largest determiners of the probability of winning the World Series is not having a bye in the first round. It's it's pretty big yeah. because every time you have a bye, it basically halves your 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 likelihood. Yeah. Maybe not quite halves, but 55%. Yeah, 57th is. But there's no word for it. The 57th something. Yeah, 5.7 decimates. You're not going to say like, okay, I'm going to split this pizza with you, but I'm a little hungrier than you and I paid for it. So we're going to 5743-ish it. It it, it doesn't (laughs) work. And I don't even know how to divide a pizza that way. Yeah, you you need good knife skills. I do sometimes ask the local pizza place for weird things. I once asked them to do it in seven slices. Ooh, that actually sounds hard. I wanted to see what they did. I wanted, you know, a proper, you know, 51.4 degrees. And they tried. Uh, I was curious if they're going to be lazy and just like do it like almost eight, but then don't finish one of the cuts and just have like an extra big seven. I think they should have just taken a piece out. Ugh. I would have been, I would have been really mad. Show you. I think you should have pizza protractors, but we're getting off topic. So to go back on topic. The Astros are projected with the best chance of winning the World Series, and I think that they are a good example of a way that you can build your team to be projected to do well. They have a bunch of pitchers. They don't have any... Well, they do have two obvious best Well, pitchers. everyone has a bunch of pitchers. That's ben. fair. They have a bunch of pitchers who I think are good. Oh, that that's the key. Yeah. I don't know if, if Verlander or Framber Valdez is their ace. I think it's kind of somewhere in between. Well, I, I like I like thinking of Framber because you can say it's the Framberg Revolution or something. <laughs> but no, it's it's a really solid team, and the Astros it it really it reflects well on their developmental uh, capacities because what they yeah. did is they had you know a whole bunch of interesting young pictures who kind of needed to figure out the strike zone, and then they all kind of did, and yeah. that doesn't really happen. Yeah, they all didn't like master the strike zone by no but they all became you know decent at it i mean you look at the rotation of of the astros they've they've gotten they've had only six players start games for them this year none of them have walked more than three and a half batters per nine innings yeah that's not like you know the the lowest or the highest bar to clear three and a half batters per nine innings is uh no but for the but for the type of players they had i mean there's no daniel cabrera's in there no one no one really struggling that much yeah, no uh, early Cubs, you Darvish or whatever, when he just couldn't find the zone. I mean, Christian Javier is just not walking anybody. And not that he's been a huge, terrible walk rate guy before, but you've worried about it. Like in 2021, he walked 12.5% of the batters he faced. That's pretty gross. And he's really, uh, he's really kind of clawed it back. Yeah. The nice other thing about the Astros, and one that I think really helps their zips rejections, is that they have six starters. As you mentioned, those six starters have made all their starts. But they have. Yeah, it's, it, it's good depth. It's good depth to have. Uh, and Zips, the, the, the methodology I use of constructing an array of possibilities based on a probabilistic model of of depth chart playing time, blah, 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 blah math, math, math. Uh, I, I, I think it at least tries to simulate the concept of depth, which is why the one of the reasons the Astros look very good. Uh, another reason, of course, is because Jordan Alvarez exists. And that is a really good thing for any team-based projection. Yeah, it's nice to have, uh, I guess I'll still say the second-best left-handed hitter in baseball, with due respect to Juan Soto. But Yeah, even with Soto's kind of weakish season, I, I, I can't demote him yet. Yeah, I 
wholeheartedly agree with that. He might still be, he might be the most underrated hitter in the game still. I think people still don't realize just how good he's been. See, I would argue that that's Jordan because... No, I meant Jordan. Ah, uh, yes. Then I totally agree. I think you meant Soto. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to improve your walk rate and strike rate simultaneously. Generally speaking, if you if you walk more, you're going to take more strike threes. Or if you're more aggressive, it, it, it's hard for the, to, to move them in tandem that way. Right. Like, it's the uh, Yuan Moncada problem. Yeah. But Jordan has, has – I mean, he's – Bumped up his his walk rate by like more than fifty percent. He's cut off like a third of his strikeout rate this year, all yeah, while still hitting the ball really really hard. His exit exit velocity is almost ninety six. Yeah, it's really uh, it's just really impressive. And if you look at it by zones of the strike zone, he's like swinging more at good pitches to hit, and swinging less at borderline pitches, except when it's two strikes, and then he's swinging at them enough. It's it's very impressive and. I think that he already was probably going to run a lower strikeout rate. His like peripheral plate discipline numbers, like the underlying things, suggested that he was better than the strikeout numbers he'd actually posted. Yeah, he was never a bad contact hitter. And right. I think people But tend what to... he's doing now is just absolutely absurd. And it's not even like you said he hasn't lost contact quality. He's gained contact quality. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, he's saying he, his exit velocity is 96 almost. He's barreling like a fifth of the balls he puts in play. His hard yep. hit rate, which is 95 miles per hour or harder, is 60%. Batters being used as pitchers this year have a lower ex- exit velocity given up and a lower <laughs> hard hit percentage given up. That means that the average pitcher has more trouble with Jordan Alvarez than the average hitter does hitting a batter hard. Now, uh, and obviously, the average batter as a picture is pretty terrible, but uh, I don't have his up-to-date Z stats in front of me. But looking at Jordan Alvarez's X stats, he's actually underperforming the X stats. His X batting average is 357. His X slugging percentage is 758. 758 now in, in 2022, where the balls are soaked in oatmeal and then left in the sun it's really preposterous he has a 203 weighted runs created plus so that's you know twice as good as average no one ever does that and his expected numbers are much better than that (laughs) yeah i mean he's gonna have you know he's looking he's he has a chance at having an eight war season without you know a ton of defensive value when was the last time we had an eight win dh have we ever I don't see. I don't have. We don't have the breakdowns. I'm actually going to use Baseball Reference for this. Hopefully, we don't get in trouble. But I'm going to look up to see if there's any DH eight wins. You say without a ton of defensive value, you could argue that some of the late career Barry Bonds seasons were that because he wasn't really a defender, but he stood in the field. But yeah, he stood in the field. He wasn't DHing. Is is what I'm getting at? Uh, Let's see. No, I have to put in qualifier. No, it's definitely a bit frustrating that the way the Fangraph site works, you can see the old prospects report for graduates. And you can see that he's a 50 future value, and his defensive limitations will likely cap his overall value. Well, likely, likely he's doing a lot of work there. <laughs> That's a report from 2019, and uh, it's safe to say he has exceeded those expectations. Yeah, it, the problem is is when uh, he when when a player fails to meet expectations or or drastically crushes them, you still see that wrong kind of projection there because you see the the old projection from zips that kind of goes off the page but the old scouting reports yeah, that don't exactly. quite work out in uh baseball reference war uh counting only players who dh at least 50 percent of the time during a season edgar martinez has the war record at seven okay so he's uh he's on pace to eclipse that yeah one issue here is that he he may end up with more games in left than at dh yeah that that's a possibility but we can always change that percentage of qualification <laughs> I kind of feel like I've used up an article here, but I can double well, dip. Yeah, you can just you can just write it anyway. That that's the thing that I generally yeah. do. Everyone who heard any of this, just pretend you didn't when you click on the page. Dan is coming after you with one of those men in black devices. Be on your guard. Yeah, I really thought that I was the early high person on Jordan until last year's trade value series when I got your projections. And <laughs> Zips likes him. <laughs> you were just higher than I was. Zip zips zips as bananas. I've told this story a few times, but uh, we got a lot of, uh, you guys don't understand how advanced stats work, Kevin and I, last year, when we had Jordan in our top 10 for trade value. And they were like, have you ever looked at a model that takes into account war instead of just whether this guy has batting average? 
And the answer was like, yeah, Z- Zips had him higher. <laughs> we, we actually lowered lowered him on the list relative to our models. He's a, he's just, I mean, truly a, a unique player in baseball history in terms of how quickly he burst onto the scene and how much he sustained it. If you leave out his 2020, which he didn't play in, but even include his 2020, he's batted 1,200 times, between 12 and 1,300 times in the major leagues, and he's slugging 600. <laughs> Like he already has nearly a hundred home runs. It is just, just outright insanity. In his rookie season, I looked up who had had better rookie seasons, and it was basically nobody. Right? It was like five Hall of Famers, and then uh, who was that guy who played for the Indians in the '30s who had crushing migraines and disappeared in the '40s? Oh God! Uh, uh, yeah. It's killing me. He was a senior. If that helps, Hal Trotsky Senior. Oh, Trotsky! Damn it! And yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. Uh, he was even in my Diamond Mine Historical League too. He's kind of the only like not great comparison for Jordan, where the guy who started off this way didn't end up as one of the best players of all time, and he was basically run out of the game by yeah, just debilitating migraines. So, assuming we can avoid that, I think it's safe to say that Jordan Alvarez will be pretty good. And he never and, and Trotsky never had a two hundred OPS plus or WRC plus season like no. Alvarez is putting up. I guess I guess you know I th- I would still say you know Juan Soto is more scientific, but if there was like a power speed number that was like science versus romance to kind of steal yeah. the Rilo Kylie song title, would Jordan Alvarez have a better science romance score? Yes, than Soto. Uh, I I think so too. I mean, like Soto. I think Soto's power is underrated. Oh, he's oh, he's terrific. So good. Yeah, I'm talking about elite science romance score. Yeah. But I think the combination of Alvarez doesn't look like he's doing anything particularly special up there. He just kind of stands there and swings and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't shuffle and he just seems very unassuming. But the combination of like when he swings, the ball goes far and he just doesn't swing at a lot of bad pitches. It's unassuming and then it's just all just rocketed line drives that no one has any interest in catching. Okay, I'm also going to declare now that science romance score is officially the harmonic mean of out-of-zone swing percentage and isolated power. Oh, like uh, the harmonic mean of them in Z-scores or something? Like, you know, because power-speed score is, is harmonic mean, so science romance score is out-of-zone contact rate and isolated power. I like it. Is it is it better to be uh, out-of-zone contact rate? So it's like Javier Baez kind of... I guess he has a very low out-of-zone contact Well, I, rate. I'm thinking... Like the inverse of it, like relative to the league. That makes sense. I'm just trying to think whether I can I'm trying to think a lot make it of work. romantic players who hit out of zone pitches. Or instead of out of zone swing percentage, out of zone take percentage. Then I don't have uh, to do yeah. anything. I don't have to do now any that manipulation. Like. Yeah, just like like the best people at taking pitches out of the zone plus the best people at hitting the ball just really, really ridiculously hard. Yeah, because you know, literally all the best statistics are, are designed while talking on a podcast. I've actually heard that as well, dude. Yeah. While we talk, I'm actually going to get the science romance number for everyone. <laughs> this is going to be a, a scheduled transition to another topic that we have on the podcast today with uh, with options to shift back to talk about the Pacific Northwest. But I recently went on a trip to Walla Walla, and Dan, you had a few questions about it for me. Yeah, are, are there, I guess I guess Dylan needs to be involved, too, because I want to know if people from Walla Walla are called Wallabies. Yeah, so Dylan, if you could uh, come back at some point when you get a chance here. Sure. We have a lot of Walla Walla questions, and Dylan is a Walla Walla native? Are you a Wallaby? I don't know. I've never heard that. Congrats. That's original as far as I'm aware, Dan. Okay, is there is there a Walla Walla-specific social network called Walla Walla Holla? Not that I'm aware of, no. Oh. I'm not cool enough. Why aren't there any of these things? I'm so disappointed. You have entrepreneurship in your future. You just have to relocate. Now, since you're from Walla Walla, have you gone like on a tour of... And I guess Betty could do this. Is anyone going to go on a tour of, of places with funny names? You go to Walla Walla and Kookaburra and Timbuktu and Kalamazoo and King of Prussia. King of Prussia, always a classic. Well, well, the fun Dylan Higgins fact for you is, yes, I was born in Walla Walla, though I moved away fairly young. And my father was born in Kalamazoo. So there you go. Wow. Oh, so you are going on the... I guess so. Now, if you have a child, I don't believe you have unless i forgotten I'm, I'm, I'm a terrible I do not. colleague i do not what city do you think you'd, what funny sounding city do you think you'd like to go to to have that child it gotta be like albuquerque or something right uh, is that funny enough though 
Albuquerque is, I think, actually quite a, a good name. It's just it's so mainstream that you kind of forget like what it's been normalized. Name. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a, there was an episode of The Simpsons where they were going to move the team to Albuquerque, and and he actually said, I'll, "I'll be quirky," and that's how he remembered they were moving the team to Albuquerque and stuff. Sure. So I also think it's disappointing that they aren't called Walla Wallabies because that would that would just roll off the tongue. True. But Walla Walla, uh, highly recommend to anyone who's in the market for uh, flying to Portland, driving on some beautiful roads for, I don't know, sure. what, three hours, would you say, Dylan? Uh, from Portland, it's going to be closer to four. Four sure. hours. I We broke it up with a stop in Hood River, another place I highly recommend going to. Sure. But yeah, it's really a, a beautiful part of the country. If you're into wine, there's there's plenty of that there. I think the, the community college there is one of the best wine programs in the country, and several of the... Uh, tasting rooms we went to had people who graduated from that there's literally a winery accelerator at the walla walla airport where you can get like four years rental space of a hangar essentially (laughs) and sell wines out of there and yeah you guys are i i feel like i've actually gotten people to do various recommendations i've made on the podcast we had this place called hoquetes wines it was very cool the vintner He's also a guitar player who releases his own music and sends you mixtapes with your wine club membership. Highly recommend. Walla Walla is just great. You should all go there. Well, anyway, I do. While we're talking, I do have the the science romance standings for yes uh, the top five for the harmonic mean of of out of zone take rate and isolated power are Jordan Alvarez at four seventy five, Mike Trout at four seventy five, but one more place in the in the thousands place or the whatever place 10,000s place uh he's a little behind Jordan then Isaac Paredes at 457 Aaron Judge at 456 and Byron Buxton at 454 all right so this is an incredible list yeah it's a it's a list of guys i really like watching it has Kyle Schwarber when he William Contreras Jose Ramirez Jazz Chisholm Mookie Betts this is a fun list now the yeah. least science romance person <laughs> Javi Baez is Luis Torrens of of Seattle. Then Tomas Nito, Ernie Clement, Nick Madrigal, and Matt Duffy. So you have to be really bad at one or the other, right? That's harmonic mean. Well, it's it's two times each over plus each. But if you're like kind of a little bad at both, is that worse? Well, no. you have to no, you have you have to be pretty balanced. It's like it's like power speed number. No, I'm thinking to be worst. Oh, to be worse. You want to be unbalanced, I think. It's hard for me to think about harmonic mean going the other way. I'm good at it going the good way. <laughs> yeah, the bad way is, but most of these guys do have fairly high. They're just bad at everything. Yeah. I guess Javi hits too many home runs. Seven, as we learned on this podcast. Seven is too many home runs. But this is, this is a fun list. Soto, because of his 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 power not being what it normally is, is only 34th uh, between Nolan Arenado and Kyle Tucker. Wow. I mean... That's kind of surprising because Arnado not known for his uh, his patience. This is a fun list because then because once you get past Betts, you have Goldschmidt, Stanton, Harper, Pete Alonso, Austin Riley, Rowdy Telez, Jose Altuve, CJ Cron. This is a fun fun list. This is the best statistic that ever existed. I have to say it, it really exceeded my expectations when you started the list with Jordan and Mike Trout. I was like, okay, this, this might be pretty good. <laughs> okay, and well, it's, it's going to uh, be. I'm calling it SVR for Science versus Romance. I like it. So today, on today's podcast, we invented a new statistic. As Dan said, those are the best. See, we did not even expect this to happen. So I guess I should I should rephrase. Dan invented a new statistic. Ben was here. But you 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 were you provided emotional support. You provided the interactive talking that led to the creation. Can't argue with that. I'm always willing to take more credit. Yeah, Ben. Speaking of the Pacific Northwest, we haven't really talked about the AL West beyond the Astros very much. Yeah, and I think actually the most interesting projection for me in this is that the two teams just on the fringes of making that third wild card are the White Sox. Yeah, sure, they're pretty good, blah, blah, blah. And the Mariners. Mariners. Exciting. Which are still, I guess, because there's a long history of of Seattle Mariners fans and Seattle residents at Fangraphs. So if you had to pick a team that was kind of like like the Fangraphs team, I think it would be the Mariners, don't you think? Yeah, it's the Mariners or the Angels, right? Because the Angels have Otani and Mike Trout. But I, I can't see it being any of the NL teams. And the Mariners are you know, associated with Dave, Jeff, and Meg. Yeah, there's a lot of Mariners. Dylan, you people. as well to some extent. At least just because I associate you with the Pacific Northwest. But yeah, like lots of uh, lots of Mariners and Fangraphs crossovers. And also, yeah, they're just a fun team. 
when I ran the top 50 for uh, future, the next five years or the next five and a half years, there is a Mariner with a very, very, very high ranking. Yeah, Dan, why do you like Abraham Toro so much? Well, you see, if he can play third base, he's got still some upside yet, and he's hitting better lately. Uh, so he's really coming around. It's good to see him. Um, maybe he needs to, you know, bring Abraham Toro Hernandez back. You know, hyphens are cool. It's true. Wait, I don't think it's him. I, I'm reading the wrong line. Oh, you know uh, what? It's, yeah, just, it's, it's Justin Upton. <laughs> Justin Upton. I mean, he was a league average player at age 20. So, you know, he's gonna be, he's still going to be awesome at 35. Yeah, he may uh, he may be able to turn back and then slightly again forward the clock. He'll need to dial it just right. But there's some upside for him. It is Julio Rodriguez. Uh, sorry, everyone. Everyone knew that though, so it's okay. I, I guess we should have gone with Kelnick to really get people up yeah. in arms first. But yes, yeah. it's Julio Rodriguez. He's great. <laughs> Julio Rodriguez, the projection that I used to forget the projections for Jared Kelnick. <laughs> just put that on the zips box. Actually, but this was actually another one that was Dan's fault because Zips actually wasn't like super high on Kelnick. But I said, oh, I'm higher on him than him. I think that he was that having the loss 2020 was especially difficult for players like him who were talented and just needed to make that last step. But no, he, he was actually he was absolutely terrible in his time in Seattle. And it's hard to blame the Mariners for not just sticking it through, considering their playoff con- contentiary status. But Julio Rodriguez, uh, he was one of those projections that I was kind of prepared to be very, very anxious about if it turned bad. Right. Because Zips had him, uh, let me open it, was, I think it was 3.1 war. But the 3.1 war was only in, uh, let me see, only in 91 games. Ooh. Which which means that on a per season in the depth chart projections with 581 plate appearances, that would be 5.3 war as a projection, which is better than the best two so far, which were Trout and Chris Bryant. So if that worked poorly and Kelnick worked poorly, I don't think people would be happy with me. But he is on a pace to beat 5.3 war. He's at 2.9 as we talk. He's, you know, the favorite for lots of awards. Or I guess A award. There's not really a ton of awards in baseball. But yeah, Zips likes him. And he's actually passed Tatis in the uh, in the rankings simply because, you know, Tatis's health is vexing Zips considerably. Yeah. So Tatis was the number one entrant on our trade value series last year. Kevin and I, I think, made an executive decision to tilt it more towards people with long control who weren't exorbitant and were great. And he'll obviously still be like a very high ranker on this list but now you kind of have to worry about health whereas you know rodriguez hasn't had any health issues so that's great i think if you told me i could have either of them for the next five years contracts aside i'd still take tatis yeah but it's hard models notwithstanding but contracts aside of course i think with the contract i would take rodriguez for sure yeah the only thing that you like about tatis in that case is that you know that you have team control for 12 years or whatever which is kind of nice. It feels bad, though, that when they're paid fairly, they move down the list. Yeah, it does. So we need to kind of reiterate to everyone that this isn't like a, a list of moral superiority or quality of a player. It's just trade value. I am curious what you think about this, Dan, because I've had this view, but there haven't really been enough data points to prove it one way or another, that at the level of you know production that the guys at the top end of this list have, that teams value them non-linearly to dollars per war. And that's why you see, like, when Mookie Betts gets traded, if you look at it from a surplus value calculation, like, eh, the Red Sox won. I don't care. When Nolan Arnado gets traded, like, from a surplus value calculation, like, the Rockies won. Yeah, I don't care. But but here's the thing about that. You see, I, I, I get that. And, you know, wins per dollar are becoming less linear, like it like it always should be. It never made much sense for, yeah. for dollar per win to be to work it we only use it because that's how it's acted uh in no, no minimum sense but on the far end it's hard to find guys at the very top who are paid like that it like it like bends up and then like bends back down again because like if you expect trout to get seven wins i mean no one's paying him 60 million dollars a year well i actually think that makes him that's what makes these uh very sure. top end players so valuable is that True, but I'm, I'm talking from from team standpoint. I don't know. It, it's kind of complex. It, it depends exactly on the question you're ac- you're asking. Yeah, I would basically say that the uh, the salary scale kind of underpays people at the bottom, 
and then it's got a steep middle and then it underpays the people at the top again because you, like you said they you're just not paying somebody 70 million dollars or whatever there's some cap i think if you if you mapped it out cost controlled players are underpaid and free agents are priced accurately and yeah. colorado rockies free agents are overpaid <laughs> I mean, I do think the very best free agents, like the young, good free agents, are often uh, often signed deals that still provide a lot of value to teams. Yeah. I, I think people overrate how good players need to be for a contract for it to work out. Yeah. I Because like, like Tatis's contract, yeah, he's going to have to be a good player for that contract to work out. But he doesn't need to be a good player for 15 years. Right. And If, if he's he a is- star for 10 years, that's already paid for. If he's a star for 10 years, it's a great contract. Yeah. I mean, that's already paid for at that point. It, at that yeah. point, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I think that that's um, like the fact that no salaries really go above. I mean, I guess Scherzer has started to kind of erode that ceiling. But it was also a very short term. Right. But contract. no long term contracts and really no contracts at all other than Scherzer go above the like upper 30s means that if you are going to be worth more than that, you can't really have a bad contract. And like that, that's kind of the lesson of Mike Trout's various extensions. He's maybe finally getting to the point where he's starting to age out of having these superstar projections for forever. That's depressing. Mike Trout was, you know, the highest paid player in baseball for a long time and was delivering value massively in excess of that. I mean, it's for a star, it's hard to have a bad two or even a three-year contract. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the twins are like showing that you basically just, if you get a star and you just say, okay, three years, you just put a number on this check. It's it's <laughs> generally pretty hard to for things to end up that badly. Yeah, I uh, completely agree. The problem, I think, is more the Hosmer-type contracts. You have a player that's too old to really have upside, who's not great, who's volatile, and that is always going to come back and bite you when you do it for eight years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Basically, I just agree. That's how I feel about all of it. Well, if you agree, we can't fight about it. Yeah, sorry. Well, here's the good news. In probably like six days, I will send you an initial cut of the trade value rankings, and you can fight with lots of specific nitpicks, which is way better, because everyone knows the best kind of correct is technically correct. Yeah, Zoidberg said that correct, or? I I think so. Okay. it, It definitely feels like a Futurama thing. Now I'm curious. Write in angrily to tell us who did write that. <laughs> yeah, please don't write in in a reasoned fashion. I, I'd like you to be uh, to be hot takey. Now, uh, we, we talked a little bit about Trout and a little bit about Otani, I think. But the rest of the Angels, one of the things that I noticed when running the projections is that they had something like 15 players who have been below replacement over the last 30 days. That seems bad. It, it, it is bad, and... They've rapidly, you know, fallen out of the playoff race. Right now, Zips has them rounding to zero for the division, 5.6% for the playoffs. It has them, you know, significantly. It's a pretty sudden collapse. It turns out that losing, you know, more than a dozen games in a row is not a good thing. Yeah, and the Fangraphs odds, which take some Zips odds and some depth charts and some steamer odds, blend them together, ignore health. Even they have them only with a 9% chance of making the playoffs, despite thinking that they're the second best team in the uh, in the AL West going forward, which I think Zips disagrees on. Yeah, Zips has them as a below average, uh, a below 500 team going forward. Yeah, I, I assume some of that is just health that their backups are essentially like yeah. cardboard cutouts of their starters. Like if Mike Trout gets hurt, what they do is play a cardboard cutout of Mike Trout and hope he walks a lot. That That's one reason why uh, you tend to see Zips like the Mets less than the Fangraphs depth charts. Not this year. The Mets have improved their depth considerably this year compared to late stage Wilponism. Yeah. Red Sox are another uh, another cla- recent vintage Red Sox. I feel like it's another one that Zips is generally down on relative to Fangraphs. Yeah, not 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 so much this year, uh but like last year's pitching staff particularly. And you and you kind of see it because Zips tends to like the Rays better and the Rays tend to have very good depth. Yeah. This is a a problem that I've been interested in solving for the Fangraphs projections, but Doing it in a way that doesn't involve a lot of calculations is tough. Yeah, I do it in a way that results a lot of calculations. It's a lot of calculation time. I have to kind of set everything up and then go to sleep and then wake up and see projections. Yeah, whereas ours runs, like the the site model runs, you know, many times a day. It runs every time a game finishes. So Yeah, I, I think people sometimes, uh, like, they, they want to see these things. But I think sometimes it's 
there's kind of a little misunderstanding that there is a balance between data that is good and data that comes in a way that you can use it. Data you can't use isn't that helpful. And data that takes a lot of time constraints to do. Like if if the full, full quote unquote, full fat zips, if that had to calculate every morning, I would have to literally have a computer running automated 24 yeah. seven to do it because just of the amount of time it takes to run that. Uh, it's maybe someone who's smarter than me, which is a lot of people and people who are better at Python, which is a lot of people uh, could make that faster, but that's, that's, that's what I work with now. So sometimes a simpler model that you can deliver aggressively, quickly and is flexible is sometimes more valuable than a slightly accurate model that's slower to come through yeah that's actually um i like to think that when i make models because i just don't make them <laughs> to be very robust but they mostly run pretty quickly now picture the more you know logo going across what i said yeah exactly and now i feel very smart because i just you know I you did not actually get a seal of approval from Dan, but I coerced I'll, one out can, of him by after the fact saying, that's what I do. You, you, you can have a seal of approval. I love it. That is, uh, that's all I wanted. And with that, I think we can close out this podcast with Ben having a seal of approval from Dan and Dan having a computer program that can see. Wait, do I get features. a seal of approval from you? You can have one from me as well. Okay. But I do want to point out that Zips can see all futures and does not predict percentile ranges or median outcomes. It tells you exactly what will happen tomorrow. Did I get that right? Well, yeah. Zips Zips is 100% accurate unless Carson Sestouli made the projection, in which case it is wrong. All right. So, yes, please direct all negative mail to Carson Sestouli, care of the Blue Jays, and all positive mail to Dan Zaborski, care of Fangraphs. Uh, also, I don't think you can just mail something to care of Fangraphs. But that aside, Dan... This was always fun. I think this was more wide-ranging than our average, which really says something. But it was mostly baseball. It was mostly baseball, which is, uh, again... Which not... is good because we're employed to do mostly baseball. Yeah, I think we hit the ideal balance. Check out Walla Walla. Check out Dan's zip standings. And when this comes out, check out yesterday's Dan's NL zip standings, or perhaps today's. Eh, you'll We'll never know. And please don't email me about it because I will be in Hawaii. Slash, I am in Hawaii. Time is confusing. This has been Fangraphs Audio. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the program, consider sharing it with a friend or two. It helps us out. After you've moseyed over to the Fangraphs.com shop and considered an ad-free membership, make sure to sign yourself up for the Fangraphs newsletter. It is the best way to keep up on everything we have going on at the site, free to your inbox every weekday. We hope you have a good week, and we'll talk to you next time.